people, this is episode 9 of Bands and Motivation. I am Iamide. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone. Except those that claim they don't see color. You're not an ally. Stop kidding yourself and those around you. Yes, Michael Jackson lied to us when he said, it don't matter if you're black or white. It matters! Anyway, I'm not shouting at you guys. I'm shouting at them. I hope you guys had a good week. Mine was a roller coaster. Some days were good. Some days I was like, God, why me? August is over, people. I don't know how. We have only 125 days left in 2020. So four months to go. And I told myself last week that regardless of everything that has happened in this sketchy year 2020, I'm still going to make it count. This still has to be my best year yet. So 2020, even as crappy as it's been so far, has to top every other year I have had since I was born. That's a tall order. But God is going to make it happen. In that vein, I want to challenge you. If there's any dream or goal that you have, but you have put on a shelf and it has gathered dust and there are cobwebs around it, please. Now is the time. Take it off the shelf, dust it, clean it up, and put it into action. All it really takes is starting, right? You have a business idea, you have a personal project, you have a new career in mind, whatever it is, you actually just have to start. And I know it's easier said than done, but once you start, you either make mistakes that help you learn and know what to avoid and what to work towards, or things start working out and doors start opening. But when the idea is on the shelf, nothing is happening. So yeah, you miss 100% of the opportunities that you don't take. That's the baseline. So having a conversation with my friend last week, this week, honestly, I'm losing track of time. I want to say last week. And we're talking about how you have an idea, you get so excited about it, you think of the opportunities, you know, you write stuff down and then life goes on and you put it on the back burner and you're like, oh, I'll do it later. Well, I don't have money. Well, I don't have time. If I was in Lagos, if I was in London, if I were in New York, excuses, excuses, life is happening. And before you know it, one month, six months, one year, two years, seven years, 10 years, you haven't done anything about it. A lot of times when it's a business idea, because God gives, I promise you this, multiple people the same idea is really who gets it done first or, you know, quickly enough. Next thing you're sitting at home one day, scrolling through social media, you see something, you're like, oh my God, and I had this idea. Well, only you knew you had the idea. You didn't do anything with it. So make 2020 count, dust up all those old dreams put something into motion. Even if you say, all I did was register my business in 2020, that's still something major. The point I'm making is, I don't want 2020 to just be that year that was horrible, the year of the plagues and all the bad news. And I want to look back on 2020 and say, hey, I did this. Hey, I did that. I was taking stock. Let me know, I wasn't really taking stock. Um, I kind of was. I don't want to put myself in trouble. I do take stock from time to time. But when I released my project, one of my friends was like, wow, you're on fire, you're doing so many things this year. I was like, oh, really? Because this year has been whack. But I thought about this. I'm like, wait, I started my podcast in 2020. I've been talking about this podcast for God knows how long. I finally started it. The project that I started, Change for Change, for some people, they think like, wow, you just thought about this thing in lockdown. No, I actually started the project 
before lockdown, but the origins of this thing, the idea, the whole, you know, process behind it, you guys will believe started almost a decade ago. Yes, May 2011. And my friend reminded me about this, I don't know if it's a few months, a few weeks ago, because then when I had the vision, so many things I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to work with girls in Africa, you know, obviously I'm from Nigeria, so let me be more specific in saying Nigeria. I knew I wanted to be of a bigger reach than Nigeria, but I knew I wanted to start with Nigeria. And then my friend was in international development. So I was talking to her like, hey, I have these plans. This is what I want to do. I want to support girls. I want to provide this and provide that. And I kid you not, guys, the plans are grand. And we wrote out everything. I remember I was in field camp um, in Colorado at the time. Others were hiking. I was taking a break because I can't come and kill myself. And we're on the phone. Mind you, she was in England. I was in Colorado. And we're talking and she was doing the writing because obviously I wasn't in a position to be writing. Wrote out all this stuff, all these plans, even came up with a name. And she reminded me last week, do you remember the name? Do you remember? And I was like, oh my goodness, wow. It's still been, you know, in my heart, in the back of my mind. But life, guys, life, life, life. So much has happened. And I kept thinking, well, when I get settled, when I get like, you know, good job, when I have money or when I'm working for myself and I can travel whenever I want to, or when I move to Lagos, or, there was always a reason. There was always an excuse. There was always... But look at God now, COVID came, everything went into standstill, started thinking, okay, what am I doing? How can I get busy? Slowly, slowly, slowly. When I even started this particular project, I didn't even link both of them. It was just, hey, this is something I'm passionate about. I really want to do this. It seems like a good start. But now everything is coming full circle. Now that I'm actually in the middle of it, I've started it. I'm reaching out to people. I'm making contacts. I'm making connections. People are offering suggestions. I'm just like, wait. This is coming back full circle. This is what I was talking about nine good years ago. So anyway, guys, I say all this to say, please, if you have any dreams that you have put on the back burner, now is the time. Get it out. God will make a way. Do your research. Just start. Register your business. Whatever the idea is, whatever the project is, set the wheels in motion slowly, slowly, slowly. Before you know, a train has left the station. So. That's my challenge for you. We have two fascinating discussions this week. One, you guys remember Juan Carlos of Spain, the Jackpa King? The saga continues, guys. Honestly, this is something like a Bollywood meets Nollywood meets... What they call the one in Ghana? Ghana wood, Ghana wood, Ghana wood. Meets another country's movie industry. Let's leave Hollywood out of this. Very salacious updates you guys have be interested to know. A lot of you were wondering why I brought it up the last time. To be honest, it was just something random and funny. But now, to my pleasant surprise, there's a lot more hot gist where that story is concerned. So we're talking about that because that's something light, that's something interesting, that's something, you know, genge. I know what genge is in English. So if you know, please help me out and I'll tell you guys next week. Then... We'll be talking about mental health. You guys know I always try to bring that up because especially in these times, it is stress important. And of course, back to the black matter. If you don't know, it is raining sulfur and brimstone in these United States. So we'll be taking a look at that, getting a bit into that sensitive topic. If you have been having a horrible week, if there's been too much bad news, if you're triggered by all the racial tension and everything going on, I would suggest that after the Juan Carlos story, you give it a break. And maybe at some time in a few days, 
when that's a sometime adds in a goodness. Sometime in a few days, when you feel a bit lighter, feel a bit better, you can finish the podcast, right? I don't want you to listen to the podcast and be even more depressed or sad than you were. That's not the point. That's not the aim. Yes, I want to have real discussions. Yes, I want to share information and facts with you guys, but I also want you to protect your space, to protect your mental health. So, like I said, I'm starting with lighter stuff, funny stuff, interesting, dramatic, salacious stuff. And then I'll go into some Black Lives Matter issues. So please pace yourself. This is a trigger warning for you. So it's been a long week, guys. A long one. In fact, a long few months, let's be honest. Because what, about six months now? Maybe not up to almost. We've been in this whole... COVID space, should I go out? Should I not? At first, you couldn't even go out lockdown, right? Now people are beginning to go out of their houses. Everybody's traveling. I'm seeing people, everybody's going to Mexico for whatever reason. Everybody's in Cancun. Everybody's in Cabo. You know, people are having, and this is not just celebrities, it's more everyday people who are having fun, chilling. It's almost like nothing is going on. And I'm here suffocating, wearing a mask, going to the grocery store, feeling like I'm about to faint. What is happening? A lot of people are having that same, like, Am I the one missing out? Am I the one doling myself? Is COVID over and I didn't get the memo? No, it is not, guys. COVID is still out there wreaking havoc. And let me tell you something. Forget all these people partying. Consider your own specific situation, right? Do you live alone? If you live alone, then all you'll be doing is risking your life. And at the end of the day, maybe you've had enough. Maybe... You feel like you've been on earth for 30-something years, 20-something years. You've done the best you can do. You're ready to bow out. Feel free. Go about. Have fun. Mix, mingle. If you die, you die. That's on you. But if you have other people that you live with who are vulnerable, say you live with your parents or your grandparents or you see them often or you're in touch with them or you're in contact with them physically, please, please, and please, I beg you, limit your movements. The last thing you want is to be the reason that your parents or your grandparents or your pregnant sister or, you know, brother who has had some medical issues before gets COVID, is in the hospital, is in ICUs on a ventilator and God forbid dies. It is not worth it. Okay. Yes, it's frustrating to be home. It's taking a huge toll on our minds, but there are other ways you can relieve yourself. There are other things you can do. Please do not put anybody that you love in harm's way. Like I said last week, I was thinking of, okay, things that you could do to get your mind refreshed. I was talking to one of my friends, you know, yesterday and today, and she was just saying how she just realizes that she's just drained. She's tired. She's battered. She's tattered. This is her mind. I mean, not her physically. And I said, yes, it's been creeping up on us, right? A lot of times we were strong. We are younger people. It was okay for us. We enjoyed the break. We were learning how to, you know, bake and cook this recipe and sew and neat and watching all the shows on Netflix and blah, 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 blah. But now it's tiring. We're all actually tired. People are beginning to notice that it has slowly crept up on them. It has taken a toll. They are just drained. They are sad for no reason. They are depressed. They are angry. They feel like they're in a cage or in a box. This is what I have to say where that is concerned. You need to take a break. And I know it's easier said than done. You're thinking, I can't really go anywhere. Well, there are things you can do even in the little, you know, space that you have if you live alone then you could do a staycation if you're not tired of your house most people are but that's one option you could just do a staycation 
let the people who are close to you know what you're going to do so nobody's worried. Maybe put out notice on social media. Hey guys, I'll be off the radar. Something like that. Turn off your phone. The whole weekend or for Saturday and Sunday, let it just be you. Order food if you can afford it. Squeeze yourself. Order something nice. Watch a movie. Just relax. If you can, you know, run a bath, put some bath bombs in there, play music, light a candle, that kind of thing, do it. No being on the phone, no checking people's WhatsApp updates, no Instagramming, Snapchatting, kumgaganto amgaga, none of that. Just close out everything, just you, yourself. If you're a praying person, if you're, you know, a religious person, Pray, read your Bible, read your Quran, just chill, okay? Positive vibes only. That's one option. Second option, if you're tired of your house, if your house is actually what's causing the problem, check around you. Is there a nice hotel that is not crazy expensive that you can afford, that you can check yourself into for the weekend? Might be one night, maybe just Saturday into Sunday, could be two nights, you know, Saturday night and Sunday night. A lot of hotels are cheaper during the week, right? Well, that was pre-COVID. Don't quote me, but pre-COVID, because of course, most people will travel, you know, events and stuff will be during the weekend. So hotels were cheaper during the week. That's another option. Maybe if you work from home or you work remotely or, you know, whatever the situation might be, could get a hotel, you know, one or two nights. You just chill, rest, relax. It's a change of scene, change of environment. Everybody knows good hotels. That's the plus side. They have really nice beds, really comfy pillows, all of that. Watch. Something fun and interesting, room service, you know, spa yourself. If there's a spa, you can go downstairs, go to the spa. Actually, I don't know about that spa, but adventure, COVID is roaming there. Okay, backtrack. <laughs> Unless you do your research and you're comfortable that they're taking all necessary precautions and, you know, safety measures. So, yeah, rain check on the spa part. But you get my point. Just do something nice, fun, interesting. Here's a little twist, right, that makes it a bit more interesting. If you live in a big city, say you live, I don't know, maybe in Houston, you might look for a hotel that's maybe an hour away. So it's in a smaller town, maybe not as many people, not as big. That gives you a chance to take a drive, right? So you take a drive, one hour drive, cool your mind. You get to a new place. It's not somewhere you're used to. Stay in a hotel there, do maybe local stuff. If there's local... Um, restaurants or the things they are known for, maybe special kind of barbecue or special kind of pecan nuts or a winery, something. Indulge in the local stuff, right? That's something interesting for your mind. You can find a park or somewhere, you know, nature related. Go out, take a walk, so on and so forth. So anywhere that requires you to drive, if you have to drive an hour, two hours, I think that's a good idea. If it's a resort, if it's a hotel, just somewhere different where Everything you need is there. You can be pampered, you can be taken care of, and you're away from home. If you can't afford that or don't want to risk that, then make your home your oasis. In all these situations, you're turning off the rest of the world. You're not on social media. You're not watching the news. You've let your friends and family know you're taking time out and you just focus on that. Please, guys, very urgent, very important. It's not a joke. The last thing you want is to lose your mind, right? So please. Little things that you can do. I know sometimes money might be an option or you have, you know, a husband, a wife, children, you just can't up and leave. You guys can talk about, you know, that together and see what you can plan. Maybe a day trip, just take a drive somewhere. Just do something anyway to re-energize and, you know, ginger your life. Now, on to Juan Carlos. Guys, so 
If you didn't listen to the episode where I talked about it, I'm not giving you a recap. Sorry. Go back. For the rest of you. Juan Carlos used to be the king of Spain. See, I said I'm not doing a recap, but here I am doing a recap. I'm just too nice. Juan Carlos used to be the king of Spain and he, J4 Jackpot, ran away, wrote a letter to his son, who is the current king, and told him, hey, you know, there's some investigation of corruption going on. I don't want to cause any drama. Adios, amigos. Oh, guys, Spanish and he's the king of Spain. I like that. I didn't even plan it. Anyway, I get distracted easily. So we were told that he went somewhere in the Caribbean, maybe Dominican Republic or something of that sort. Well, Juan Carlos is not in the Caribbean. Juan Carlos is in Abu Dhabi. Can you guys imagine that? Set on Hush Puppy. If you don't know Hush Puppy, actually, you should know Hush Puppy because I've talked about it on this. Go back. I've talked about Hush Puppy before. Those people that go to the United Arab Emirates to hide when they have some, you know, illegal funds and they want to flex, chill, spend it as they like, set on Hush Puppy UAE repping. So, King Juan Carlos is in Dubai, Abu Dhabi, sorry, not Dubai, hiding. Now, this investigation is still going on. It was an investigation, you know, that had to do with corruption, some train deal that the king of Saudi Arabia bribed him $100 million to execute or do or confirm, something of that sort. So it's actually quite, I don't know if the word is ironic, that he's now gone back, you know, to the Middle East to go hide. Now, he's 82, so he's not, you know, spring chicken. He's been married since 1962, you guys, 58 years. Like, do you know how long that is? Anyway, he had an affair with a Danish businesswoman from 2004 to 2009. So this is, as he's still married till today. So this affair happened while he was married. And now this is the funny thing, right? A lot of articles about him say that he's a Lothario. I don't know if you guys have heard that word before. It sounds so, you know, I don't know. That's someone who behaves selfishly and irresponsibly in their sexual relationships with women. So, you know, Casanova, as Nigerian people say, woman rapper, people who just see women, they want them, they're just having all these different relationships. And it's just, you know, imagine, especially when you're royalty, you're a king or a prince, you have money, you have influence, you have connection. I'm sure they obviously be girls, you know, throwing themselves at you. And then also your eye wanders from place to place. So bad combination so that's his background it wasn't like oh he got tempted and he fell once no he's that's what he's known for so anyway he had this affair with this danish businesswoman and they were dating they were dating 2004 2009 of course it was under wraps nobody knew about it right they broke up but they remained friends me is thinking friends with benefits but they just said they remained friends so 2012 he took her on a hunting trip to botswana with his with her son sorry not his her son a young boy i think 9 11 first of all why botswana but you know these people think that africa is a playground so when they are jobless tired bored that's where they go to go do rubbish that they can't do in their own country so they're going on a hunting trip you know trying to he was trying to kill some elephant some drama 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 he fell and broke his hip now in 2012 he was 74 this auntie lady, Danish businesswoman, was 47. So a cool 27 years difference. Let me just put that on, on, on the back burner for now. Anyway, we fractured his hip, press got involved, you know, pictures, all of that. She was on that trip. That's how the relationship now 
got exposed to the public. As my Yoruba people will say, meaning that some kind of breeze has blown and we can see the buttocks of the chicken. The relationship got exposed. It was all in the news. Spanish people were angry. They were upset. It was a bad time. A lot of other things were coming to light. They were fed up of him. Ultimately, in 2014, Juan Carlos was like, you know what? This is too much for me. I'm out. Peace out. And he abdicated the throne, meaning that he stepped down. You know how when you're a king, right, you rule till, you know, you die. And then whoever is your successor takes over. So when you abdicate, that means you're just like, mm, I'm still alive. I could still be ruling, but... I'm done. I'm out. And of course, your child takes over. So his son, that's how his son came into office. Anyway, there was a lot of backlash from everything that was happening. When the press, you know how the press now, once they get wind of things like this, they tore this woman to pieces, started investigating her life, started getting followed. Let me tell you something that annoyed me. This woman had the audacity to say she felt like Diana. Like, you know how paparazzi was all over, you know, Diana, chasing her, wanting to know her every move, which unfortunately ultimately led to the accident that she had in France and died. Sis, we don't even know who you are. Can't even pronounce your name. How dare you try and, you know, put yourself on the same pedestal with Diana? I take offense to that. Anyway. All that was going on. Her life was turned upside down. I'm guessing she had to move. And maybe I don't know if it affected her business. Whatever the case may be, Juan Carlos was, you know, apologetic. Sorry for the inconvenience, you know. And Juan Carlos gave her a gift. You know, that kind of, I messed up. I'm sorry. What are you guys thinking? A car, a house, a boat, private jet. No. He gave her 77. Yes two sevens million dollars that is 65 million euros as an apology gift guys have you ever heard this thing before there's no speed limit on the highway of love you will just go until you crash and you and the love catch fire how why when god how come nobody has ever given me even one million dollars not seven not ten not to talk of 77 to apologize and people have offended me in this life let me just say this any man that does not apologize to me henceforth with obscene amount of money like let the money be so much that i will pass out you know then i'll say well i mean i'll just forgive you because i'm a christian yeah that's what i need anything less than that you are not sorry please go to Juan carlos and take notes anyway Juan Carlos gave her that obscene amount of money as an apology. I mean, that raises so many red flags because, sir, what are you talking about? Anyway, that was that. They're friends, they're friends. He now started, you know, trying to get back with her, which is expected. Petty is as Petty does. Auntie was like, yeah, no, not going to happen. I don't want to get back with you. And um, Nai Carlos said um give me back my money i'm not saying you're a gold digger but sis better have my money he wanted his 77 million dollars aka 65 million euros back through a tantrum got mad got upset the woman was like adios grampios this is not going to work so they went back and forth back and forth they don't tell us if she gave him back the money 
There's no indication that she did. Seems like Juan Carlos just let it go. Everybody moved on with their life. How much money do you have to have in your possession for that amount to be a gift and for you to just let it go? Like, I'll just forget about it, cancel this debt, moving on. That's a question I have for the Spanish government. Yeah, I took a pause because I had to think about that. Anywho's, he never got his money back. As far as we know, the official, you know, version of the story. Now he's been investigated. They're bringing out things, you know, from all over. And an important... Hmm, for sure. An important thing now has arisen where the police, people investigating are like, this was not a gift. It was money laundering. He gave her the money to help him hide it. Brilliant. That makes more sense, actually, when you think about it, right? That's not even your wife. What level of apology? What are you apologizing for? She was even a friend at the time. Relationship was over. That is actually what led to you abdicating the throne. Why are you giving her such a ridiculous amount of money to apologize? Anyway, that's what intelligence officers are saying now. So they're interviewing her. They're asking her questions. They're harassing her, really. Of course, Juan Carlos is chilling in Abu Dhabi. I don't know, maybe climbing camels or doing one of those safari things you see people doing when they go to the Middle East, Jeep, sand dune, whatever. And this lady is not answering all these questions and saying it wasn't, you know, money laundering. It was just a gift. It was just a gift. Me hopes and me thinks they're going to get that money back. They're going to trace it and actually find out she was doing him a favor. She probably got a large cut, I'm sure. But it wasn't a gift like they're claiming. It was, you know, misappropriated funds, corruption money that he gave his former boo to hide for him. This is so wild. This is like a Nigerian movie that will say was badly scripted but it is reality now tell me what is the difference between this and african leaders because the world is always quick to say scam 419 nigeria corruption ghana whatever 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 we are always the target of bad and yes we have bad governments i 100 percent agree but these other countries just have a smoke screen right they just package themselves properly or better but there's still so much corruption and so much evil and just wickedness. And I don't know. Are all leaders just wicked? Is there like an oath? Like when you become a leader, they invite you somewhere and they're like, hey, this is the manual. This is what you need to do. Don't care about the masses. Take as much money as you can. Doesn't matter who's suffering or who is losing out. Just wreak havoc, scatter the place and walk away like nothing happened. I don't get it. I really don't. But anyway, that's updates on Nain Juan Carlos. I'm pretty sure there will be a lot more of this information because it seems like they really want to get him for this. And if FBI was able to go into Dubai and snatch Hush Puppy like a thief in the middle of the night, best believe that they can go into Abu Dhabi and get Juan Carlos. I don't know if FBI is after him, but whoever it is point is they have access so i'll keep you guys updated if he does anything there's more information i haven't heard anything about his wife in all this as far as i know they're still married i don't know why but yeah if there's any update i will let you guys know now back to the black matter so everybody knows who michael jordan is basketball player eventually played baseball made so much money just had a documentary out on netflix called the last dance i still haven't watched it but i've seen like clips here and there and you know read up on lots of articles that were written about it 
Now, his dad, James Jordan, was killed in 1993. So July 23rd, 1993, while he was sleeping in his car, he had a Lexus, and he was sleeping on the side of the road in North Carolina. I haven't really found out why he was sleeping on the side of the road. I'm guessing, you know, obviously he was tired or he had, um, you know, maybe he had some, too much to drink and didn't want to drive. I don't know all the details. But anyway, that's what happened. And he was attacked. He was shot and killed. And he was missing for 11 days, pretty much. And then was found August 3rd. All this happened in 1993. Found August 3rd in South Carolina. So North Carolina and South Carolina share a border. So, you know, I think where the death happened or where he was parked was about two hours from the state border. And whoever the person or people that shot him threw him over a bridge. So drove, you know, two hours, threw him over a bridge, took his car. We're going on joy rides, making calls from the car. I mean, obviously they're stupid. Because why, you know, prints and everything all over the car, all of that. But they were kids. Well, they were 17 or just on 18, one of the above. So kids in the sense that they're young, but not, you know, too young to know what they were doing. Body was found. You know, they arrested someone for the crime. And the case, you know, started building up. So the guy who was arrested for the crime was called Larry Demery. I don't know if I pronounced the last name right, but Demary or Demary? I'm just going to say Demary. So he was arrested and he said, well, I know it happened. I didn't pull the trigger. There was another guy there, David Green. He pulled the trigger. So they started going back and forth, right? Accusing each other of who pulled the trigger. You did it. I did it. I didn't do it. You did it. But both agreed that, you know, the man was killed he was robbed and the reason why he was killed was because somebody wanted to rob him so anyway they go back and forth and you know how police they'll try and turn one person against the other they offer you all these deals they'll say if you testify against this person you know maybe we'll do this or we'll take off the death sentence or blah 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 anyway both men could not agree on who did what so the first guy the larry demery said that his friend, David Green, killed this man, asked him for help to dispose of the body. That's where he came into the picture. David Green said, no, that's the reverse. I was at a barbecue, chilling, hanging out. This guy leaves, Larry Demery leaves to go do some drug deal. Comes back in a panic, tells me that he had an altercation with somebody who he thought was a drug dealer, was the wrong person. He shot the person by mistake. You know, what's he going to do? He needs help getting rid of the body. As a friend, I go along with him. I help him out. So my only crime is, you know, after the fact, disposing of the body. Anyway, Demery testifies against his friend who claims he was at the barbecue, not even at the scene of the crime, to say, no, he shot. I just helped him get rid of the body. They both get sentenced, right? So Demery pleaded guilty. So took a plea deal. So they will take the death sentence off the table. Pleaded guilty to first-degree murder, armed robbery, and conspiracy to commit robbery. He gets life, a life sentence, plus 40 years. So that means if somehow or the other, you know, the life sentence was, I don't know, removed, overturned, something happens, you still have 40 years to serve. His other friend, Green, said, I'm not agreeing to what I didn't do. I didn't kill this man. I wasn't there when he was killed. I just assisted this guy in getting rid of his body. He got sentenced to life in prison for murder during the commission of a robbery. So that means you knew that there was going to be a robbery. And while the robbery was going on, a murder was committed. Most times that happens when 
you didn't pull the trigger, right? The other person pulled the trigger, but you were part of the robbery and, you know, you have to take blame for what happens. And then he also got 10 years for conspiracy to commit robbery. So it seems like after all said and done, what the jury and what the court and what everybody believed was that these people wanted to rob this man. And while robbing him, that means they plan to rob him. That's the intention to commit robbery. While they were robbing him, one person shot him, who is the person that pleaded guilty to first degree murder. And the other person being there, you're part of the whole thing. You now get, you know, murder during the commission of a robbery. So anyway, these men are in jail. Whatever the case may be, they're not supposed to come out. They're supposed to be there for life. If somehow the life sentence is reduced or overturned, extra 40 years for Demery, extra 10 years for Green. This all happened, like I said, murder was committed in 93. They were sentenced in 1995. In 2008, you know how people that get sentenced, they keep doing appeals, 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 so they run out. 2008, they asked for the... Demery gets, I don't know if it's a new trial or new evidence comes up that says that his sentencing wasn't handled properly initially all those years ago. His sentence is changed and now he only gets a life sentence. So the extra 40 years was taken off. And when you get just a life sentence, you're eligible for parole. So of course, your first question is why you killed somebody? Why should you be eligible for, eligible for parole? Apparently, after 19, any crime committed before 1994, that was the case. Any crime committed after October 1st, 1994, there's no chance of parole. Like if, if, you, if you're supposed to serve life, you serve life. There's no additional, you know. So that's why now you hear life sentence with possibility, of, so with possibility of parole or no possibility of parole or possibility of parole after, they'll say how many years. So after that 1994 change in the rules, regulations, law, when they sentence you, it's already stated from the jump if you'll be able to get parole and how long of your sentence you have to have served to, to be eligible along with other requirements. So anyway, this um, Demery guy, once his extra 40 years was taken off, he's serving a life sentence. That means after a certain point, he could be up for parole. He was up for parole this year, a um, few weeks ago, and he was granted parole. So they said August of 2023, he would have served, you know, whatever the is, maybe 30 years, and he can be paroled. So there's some special program that they're doing with people who are released, inmates who are released, and they maybe get a degree, learn a vocation, be rehabilitated back into society, you know, all of that stuff. So he's been released. The other guy, Green, has been trying for years to get another trial or to get his case relooked at or his sentence revised, blocked, 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 blocked on every angle. Even last year, he tried, a judge blocked it. So he's still serving life. And then if for some reason, you know, he dies and wakes up again, he has 10 extra years. Why am I bringing this up? Now, these two guys, I didn't want to mention this before because I wanted you to just have the story, full details, full information before I now drop the bombshell of why I'm bringing it up. Larry Demery is a white man. His friend Green is a black man. Yes. So the white guy who pleaded guilty to murder, meaning he pulled the trigger, after lying and saying he didn't, he didn't, he eventually pleaded guilty to murder, is getting parole in three years, August of 2023. His black friend, Green, who maintained that he did not pull the trigger, was not 
convicted for murder, was convicted for, you know, murder during the robbery. So he was present, he was part of a robbery and somebody was murdered, which is a lesser sentence or lesser crime, not sentence, lesser crime. He's still going to be in jail and serve his life sentence. He's not getting out. He's not getting a new trial. He's not getting his sentence changed. He's going to die in prison. My question is, I'm sorry, why? They're both at the crime scene, both responsible, quote-unquote, both convicted, both, you know, serving their jail time. What mistake in his sentencing could there have been that they didn't think, okay, you know what, if somebody else who was also charged with him in the same crime, let's review his, you know, as well. Because they know that if they do that, the 10 extra years will be removed and he will also be eligible for parole. Where in the world is that fair? Where in the world does that make sense? Where in the, I mean, honestly, it's tiring, it's draining being a black person. The rules are just not the same and it's unfair. There are countless people that are wasting away. And like I said last week, when you commit a crime, yes, you should go to jail. You should serve your time. But let the punishment be fair. If you're punishing everybody, let it be. If you commit this crime, this is the punishment. Your skin color should not matter. Your race should not... You get what I'm saying? Your race should not account for if you get a harsher sentence or a lesser sentence. And I don't know how Michael Jordan feels about this, if he said anything about it, but... It's wild. It's absurd. So this man now is counting down to getting released and this other person is going to languish in jail forever. I don't know, guys. I don't know. As you know, last week, a black man called Jacob Blake was shot seven times in front of his three kids. They were in the car when he was shot and the police shot into the car in Kenosha, Wisconsin. I don't even know, to be honest, where that is or what black people are doing there. He survived, thankfully, but he's paralyzed now as a result of, you know, I mean, he was shot seven times and he's been handcuffed to his hospital bed. <sighs> Guys, this is why I said, if you're not strong enough mentally, don't listen to this because even I am tired every day, every week, every month, every year for the past Lord knows how many years. Somebody keeps getting shot. Police keep shooting people, keep shooting people. And I understand the argument where people say, why don't you just cooperate? If you cooperated, this wouldn't happen. You know, why is the police so trigger happy? And why is it so easy, even when white people are not cooperating, to not shoot them? That's just my question. This guy they knew was unarmed. They already knew he didn't have. So it wasn't like, yo, I was afraid he was reaching for his gun or my life was in danger. He's getting into his car. And you shot seven times into the car. His three kids were there, saw all this. The trauma for those poor kids. And then what if a stray bullet hits one of them? You say what? You were just doing your job. You were just doing your duty. And then to make this thing worse, of course, people get, got angry. A lot of protests erupted. You know, people are in the streets. That city or whatever tried to put in place a curfew. Don't be out after a certain time. People are ignoring the curfew. They're out. They're shouting. They're screaming. They're burning stuff. They're looting. All the usual chaos. And some little white boy who is 17, who posts all this stuff about pro-police and militia and we should, you know, deputize citizens and, you know, all lives matter, Republicans for life and black people are scum and all that, goes in. Why, why, is, why is a 17-year-old even allowed to be roaming the streets at night doing whatever he likes? Like, why does he have that kind of gun or assault rifle or whatever it is? He gets in there, he shoots somebody, the crowd starts chasing him, he falls, turns around, shoots two more people, 
gets back up, starts running, and runs past the police. And as he's running past the police, the people, the crowd that's chasing him is yelling to the police, he's the shooter, that's the shooter, that's the gunshot to your hand, apprehend him, apprehend him. Police do nada because, of course, he's a white guy, fully armed, running through the streets. You don't even stop him to ask, do you have a license for that? Why are you carrying a weapon? We just had gunshots. Stop there. No questions. This guy runs through the police and runs into the night, gets lost. Police now starts trying to disturb those people. Why, what is going on? Who is, you know, what is happening? Quote and unquote, starts trying to scatter the crowd and investigate. But you let a white boy, fully armed, like it's a huge assault rifle that he's wearing across his whatever chest. You couldn't miss it. It wasn't a small gun he could hide. You didn't feel threatened. You didn't chase after him. You didn't try to stop him. You didn't shoot him. You didn't tase him. You let him go. In the same city that a few days before, a black unarmed man was getting into his car and you shot seven times. Come on, come on, come on. It's just, it's too much. That's exactly what we keep talking about. Their mindset is when they see black, they just, it's like they are seeing some poisonous snake. They are so alarmed. They are so worried. They are so scared. But when a white person who is fully armed and has already killed, had just killed two people, injured one, fully and 100% capable of harming and hurting you, you don't do anything like your mind or your brain didn't even tell you this is a threat. We just heard gunshots. Even aside from that, why is this guy out here in public with this thing on his, you know? So, of course, it made people angrier and just the racial tension is so much. The two people that he killed, unfortunately, you know, their lives are gone. They were white people. So I think they were protesting as in, you know, in solidarity were allies with the black community. This guy didn't even care for, you know, it was probably a targeted, oh, you guys are, you know, betraying our race. Let me end you. I don't know. Cause there's so many black people there. What are the odds? He just killed two white people, injured one. And, you know, anyway, police have apprehended him from his home. 17. How are you 17? And you already have so much hate in your heart. What do you even know about life? What have you seen? What were you taught? What have you been programmed to believe that you think black people and the Black Lives Matter movement is some sort of disservice or a threat to you? So that's what we're dealing with in these United States. That's what's going on. I don't know. For me, I think I'm just tired. I'm over the whole thing. I tried as much as possible not to get too into the news. I'm not watching the news. I refuse to watch any of the videos. I just, you know, see clips here, there. I told you guys I get a lot of my news from Snapchat. Just to update myself and to know, okay, this is what is happening. But it's tiring. It's a lot. And then you have, you know, elections coming up, everybody making promises, lying, pretending, you know, the presidents, they had their convention and they, had, they did a naturalization. So that's when you go from having your permanent residence to becoming a citizen, the swearing in ceremony. These people don't care about immigrants. Made the entire regime, entire administration, entire, you know, time they've been in office about tearing down immigrants, making it difficult, you know, for students to come here, making it difficult for people to get their green cards, making it difficult for companies to sponsor foreigners, changing rules, changing laws, placing bans, separating families, and they don't care. Now it's time for your convention and you start bringing people, oh, I bring one Indian family, brought some black family, you know, just to look as if this is us, we love all immigrants. I mean, who is, who, who is deceiving who? Come on, like... Honestly, guys, I'm tired. I just wanted to, you know, let you guys know this black matter is not today. It's not yesterday. It's last week we talked about the weed one. So many different angles. We talked about the healthcare one. Now I'm talking about, you know, justice, 
or talking about police, we talked about George Floyd. It's just, it's a lot. It really is a lot. It's good to be informed. It's good to know. Do with that whatever you may, but that's what is happening in America. People are tired. A lot of people are saying there might be a race war. I hope not. I pray not. I really don't know what the solution is to that. Very sad. I just pray that God keeps us safe, keeps our families and friends safe. I was telling someone that as sad as it is, I'm so happy and so excited that none of my brothers is in the U.S. at this time because you just don't know, right? Something that's supposed to be as simple as a traffic stop. You don't know who is angry. You don't know who is racist. You don't know. There are people who actually cooperate and still get, you know, shot or whatever else happens to them. So I'm so glad that my brothers are not here and, you know, at least they're out of that danger or that harm's way. And I pray for all my friends, you know, who are guys who are black men, people who have sons and brothers and fathers that none of this happens to anybody that we know personally, because I can't imagine losing your family member. And this, there are videos, it's all over. You can't even catch a break from it. You turn on the TV, it's there. You look at your phone, it's there. People are texting you, calling you, reporters at your door. It turns into this whole just circus show. So everyone, please just be safe. If they ask you to stop, stop. Just be polite. If you're angry, keep your anger inside. It's not worth your life. Just obey all instructions. And by God's grace, you know, you'll be safe. That is all for this episode, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Don't forget to join the BAM fam on Instagram. Wait, before I wrap up, thank you to everyone who has given to my community initiative, Change for Change. So many ways to give. You can give on PayPal, you can give on Cash App, on Venmo, through Zelle. If you're in Nigeria, other parts of Africa, through Zenith Bank. Please, 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 if you haven't already, consider giving. The need is great. The situation is critical. We need all the help we can get. Whether I want Naira, $5. If you have a thousand pounds for us, whatever it is, we accept it. We're grateful for it. It adds to making that change, creating that impact, changing the narrative in the lives of these girls. There's a lot of information on our website. You can follow the Instagram page at your change for change. If you go to Banter Motivation, I post on the stories every day. I link the your change for change Instagram page. I post updates. I post information. Please, please, please get involved. Tell your friends, tell your family, your neighbors, church members, all people who are always forwarding you stuff on WhatsApp, this is your own opportunity to forward them stuff on WhatsApp that's actually important and the facts are correct. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't already, please share this podcast. I'm, guys, na beg. I'm humble. I'm begging you, please share this podcast with people that you know will enjoy it as well. Let's grow this family. Let this podcast reach as many people as possible. Don't forget, guys, this week, be kind, be safe, be conscious of your mental health and your mental state. And of course, you guys already know, behave. Until next week, bye.